0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message.
1: All right, take your Bible, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to continue here, and we're moving down just through these different pieces of the christians armor for spiritual warfare so i'm just gonna preach on what's next in verse number 15 we'll begin reading in verse 10 and then we'll read down through verse number 15 last week uh, we read about the breastplate of righteousness and learned that really it, it doesn't start with our righteousness but our positional righteousness ought to flow out into practical righteousness and that is our breastplate that covers the essential part of the christian the heart Tonight, we're going to look at the shoes that a soldier wears. So if you take your Bible, look from the Ephesians chapter 6. Let's begin reading in verse number 10, and we'll read down through verse number 15. Here's what it says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and then here's our new verse for tonight. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The word shod just means adorned. And as Paul is giving us this analogy, he no doubt has a Roman soldier of that era in mind. And he looks at that Roman soldier and the various armor that man would wear. And he gets down to what would cover his feet And most of us have never been in combat before, but you could understand that if there's one thing you don't want in the midst of a battle, it's improper footwear. And if you look at these verses, it's over and over again. The command to us is this, hold your ground. And it's given to us in the form of stand, be strong, stand, withstand, having done all to stand. so the picture is this, that we are supposed to be firm in the fight. We're not supposed to be moved, we're not supposed to bend, we're not supposed to fall backwards, we don't run, we don't retreat, but we hold our ground. Now, I've heard this verse and I have preached from this verse and made it applicable to sharing the gospel, and I don't think that's wrong, but I think in the context of standing, it is more than just soul-winning shoes or carrying the gospel out. I think it is shoes that enable us to stand in the evil day. For a little while tonight, I want to preach on that thought. Put on your standing shoes. We have different shoes for everything. And I used to make fun of the ladies for shoes, but if you were to come to my house, you'd find me a hypocrite. I must break my neck to get to my car because of my shoes. We have shoes fit for everything. But for a little while tonight, think with me. Put on your standing shoes. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your power to preach, and I pray you'd help me present this truth clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. There's an old Nazarene preacher named Uncle Bud Robinson. He made this statement. He said, Oh, Lord, give me a backbone as big as a saw log in ribs like the sleepers under the church. Put iron shoes on my feet along with galvanized bridges. Hang a wagon load of determination upon the gable end of my soul and help me to sign a contract to fight the devil as long as I have a fist, to bite him as long as I've got a tooth, and then to gum him until the day I die. I like what he said, put iron shoes on my feet. Tonight, I want you to think with me on the thought, put on your standing shoes. Ephesians 6, verse 14 begins, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. The next verse continues, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There are two key words in those two verses that I want you to see by way of introduction. The first word begins the first verse, and it's that word, stand. And the second word is the final word of the next verse, verse 15, is the word peace. Those two words are vastly different, to stand and the word peace. But those two words are ever connected when we talk about spiritual warfare. The word stand means to assume and remain in an upright position. It means to be positioned on the feet to face and ready to encounter. I remember reading an illustration about a man, a a commanding officer who had a team of soldiers and a general asked him and he said, son, will your soldiers march? He said, I don't know if they'll march or not, but I know they'll stand. And let me say tonight, soldiers don't win battle on parade. Soldiers win the battle when they will stand. And throughout these verses on spiritual warfare we're reminded of our duty to stand, withstand, and to keep on standing in this evil day. We sing the song from time to time, Keep on the Firing Line, and it sums up what we're supposed to do as Christians. It said, we must fight, be brave against all evil, never run, nor even lag behind. And as a child of God, I'm to plant my feet and to take my stand against spiritual wickedness in high places. To stand means to hold my position. To stand means don't give up ground. To stand means hold the fort until Jesus comes. Standing is not something you do in days of no battle, but standing is imperative that you and I do it in days of battle. And thank God tonight for believers who've taken a stand. Can I say tonight, we wouldn't even have a church if another generation hadn't taken a stand. I'm glad that Noah took a stand. In a day when nobody else lived for God, I'm glad Noah stood up for righteousness. I'm glad that Moses took his stand. I'm glad he didn't bend under the pressure of Egypt, but he stood against all the wickedness of that place. I'm glad David stood tall against a giant named Goliath. I'm glad Elijah stood against a crooked politician by the name of Ahab. I'm glad Jeremiah stood when nobody wanted to hear him preach. I'm glad Peter stood and Paul stood in the face of opposition. And Bible-believing people have always been marked by their willingness to take a stand for the truth of the Bible when the need arises. You know, we wouldn't have a faith today if somebody hadn't contended for the faith yesterday. Forty years ago today, an airplane went down en route to Houston, Texas, and a man named Lester Roloff left earth for eternity as that plane crashed down into earth. I listened in preached today, and Brother Roloff made the statement. He said, God always gives victory if his prophets will stand, and he stood against the government. Somebody said, Brother Roloff, don't you believe that you ought to be subject to the higher power? He said, best I know, I am subject to the higher power, if you lower powers give me all the trouble. I thank God for J. Frank Norris that stood against the liquor crowd. I thank God for Lee Robertson that stood against the convention crowd. I thank God for Spurgeon who stood against the association crowd in London. I thank God for the Anabaptists throughout history that stood against corruption and Catholicism. Thank God for people that'll take a stand. So we see it as we study these verses, we're called to stand. We ought not be moved. We ought not be pushed. We don't uh, seek a truce or an agreement or compromise. But for the sake of righteousness, we are commanded to stand, withstand, and to keep on standing. So the first word is stand, and God help us to do it. But the second word I notice that I think is important is this word, peace. See, I'm called to stand. That's my duty. But I'm supposed to stand in peace. That should be my disposition. Peace is the ultimate pursuit of man. In fact, I believe it's the motivator behind every action and endeavor that man is a part of. This world has very little evidence of any kind of peace, but it seeks peace in all the wrong places. I was reading today and read a quote from a celebrity, and this lady said, Peace of mind for five minutes. That's all that I crave. I think about Jeremiah 8:15. It said, we looked for peace, but no good came. And for a time of health and behold, trouble. There's not much peace in this world. Sin has so tormented the heart of man that he'll wreck himself and mutilate his body and degrade his reputation if he thinks he can find just momentary peace in this world. You follow these politicians. Every single politician offers peace. They say, if you'll just vote me in, then I'll help bring in world peace. And what they say is peace, peace, when there is no peace. You can look at what our world does today. Man creates drugs to try to dull the edge of his reality and give him some kind of a peace. Man creates alcohol. It's the national drink of America, sadly, because he wants to escape reality and have some kind of peace. Money rules our world because they think if I can add one more zero to my bank account, that extra zero might give me some kind of peace. And the problem is they look for peace in all the wrong places. You'll as soon find water in heaven. Hell or sin in heaven as to find real lasting peace down here in this world. I remember talking to a woman outside of a tent uh, in Detroit, Michigan. I was preaching a week a long tent revival in Detroit and they had biker night there at, at that tent revival. And this biker club uh, came, the entire biker club came. And I tell you, I'd never been anything like that. You could hear the thunder roll as they got close. The entire parking lot began to shake and those Harleys came down uh, the, uh, the road there and turned in that Big six foot chain link fence inside of that church parking lot. They pulled in all tattooed up and I mean, pierced up, and some of them had booze on their breath, and most of them were smoking cigarettes. I felt like I was at church in the South, you know. And anyway, they, they came right on in there for a biker night, and, and I remember I preached that night and gave an invitation, and after a while I turned the invitation over. I walked to the outside of the tent, and there's a woman there, and she just looked I mean, just looked crazy. I mean, you look in her eyes and just see crazy in her eyes, and I began to talk to her. And I said, you know, you ought to get saved if you're not saved. And she said, I'm a daughter of the devil. I said, that's okay. There's a lot of them that go to our church. I said, you can get saved. She said, no, I, I, she said, you don't know who I am. She'd been passed around by all those men and abused and used up by this world. And you could tell she had no peace whatsoever. But there in that parking lot, she met peace that could change her life. And her life changed. Her countenance changed. Her eternity changed when she found the source of peace. Tonight, can I say, you can't put a price tag on real peace. You can't bottle it up and drink it dry. You can't cut it in a line and sell it in a bag. You can't fold it over and hide it in your wallet. You can't slap a new coat of paint on it or pull it up in your driveway. There is no peace in this world. But thank God there is a source of peace where we can find rest for our soul. There's peace that brings light to our life and balance to our life and calms and comforts. And if a soldier could find peace in battle, that soldier can be effective. So, where do we find our peace? John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. For the soldier to stand in this supernatural conflict, he's gonna need some supernatural peace. We usually note the stand taken by Bible characters and we say, Look at his bravery and look at his courage. But the stand generates from the peace within. What do you mean? Daniel took his stand. But the reason Daniel could take his stand in that den of lions is he already possessed a peace that passed all understanding to help him stand. Moses took his stand before Pharaoh, could have lost his life, but yet he had the peace to stand before Pharaoh. I think about John who took his stand on the Isle of Patmos and was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. How did he do it? He had peace before he got to Patmos. I think about Stephen who took his stand and advertised his peace as stones were pummeling his body, and David who took his stand and yet had such peace when he stared down Goliath, and Paul who took his stand in front of Agrippa, and yet he had peace, and Peter who took his stand and said, crucify me upside down peace that passed all understanding and study Christian history. Christians have sung hymns in the dungeon and given testimonies from burning stakes and prayed for their killers and rejoiced as their neck was laid on the chopping block and what contrasted them from this world was not their courage and was not their bravery because many lost men have shown and exhibited bravery and courage but what made them contrast from this world is that the Christian has a peace that enables them to to stand in the midst of those situations when the world is in frantic the Christian is in calm I'm glad the Christian can pillow his head in a storm when the world is nervous in certainty we can have faith undaunted in uncertainty the world seeks for peace on every shelf they order from every source and find it's all false advertising and empty it's not boldness that helps me stand boldness is the byproduct it is not courage that helps me stand. Courage is the byproduct. It is peace that must give me footing to stand. So tonight, if everyone else runs around like the sky is falling and drinks the crazy Kool-Aid, you and I as Christians ought not. You and I should not be birth and ulcers in our belly. And biting our fingers till they bleed and pulling out our hair and pacing the floor and going crazy. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. And I'm glad you and I have a peace that the world didn't give and the world cannot take away tonight. And it's in peace and by peace that we stand. And I'll show it to you here in just a minute. Ephesians 6.10 and following brings us to this definitive chapter on spiritual warfare. These verses expose our adversary. They admonish us to be prepared for battle. And they teach us about the armor that we have to put on. The armor began with truth. I talked about that last week. Everything rises and falls on how you perceive the truth. In a world of falsehoods, we must have the truth. Following truth was the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is both our position in Christ and ought to be our practice as a Christian. Now the Bible transitions into spiritual footwear. If you're going to fight and win, you must have footwear that is fashioned and fit for fighting. Now, when I think about a soldier, I don't first think about his footwear. When I imagine a soldier in my mind, the first thing I might see would be his flat jacket, his armored jacket. Maybe I would see his fatigues. Maybe I would think about his helmet or his uh, his weaponry of some kind, but can I say the footwear is essential. You ask anybody who's been in battle, and they will tell you the right kind of shoes matter. In fact, I looked it up. The U.S. military has such strict guidelines for the boots that its soldiers will wear. The boots are made for comfort and protection, and they're They're durable they're climate applicable they're slip resistant they're supportive in battle because they know a soldier with sore feet won't stand very long the battle of gettysburg they say was started because the confederate soldiers feet were so sore from marching that they risked their lives to go into town to find shoes and it started the battle at the battle of antietam they said most of the the gurneys were filled with men who died with sore feet At Valley Forge, many of those soldiers died from frostbite because throughout that harsh winter, they didn't have adequate uh, covering for their feet. A soldier won't do much fighting if he's not comfortable enough to stand. His shoes form his foundation. His shoes are his base. His shoes give him balance. His shoes give him that bolstering to stand. Sore feet make a sorry soldier. So Paul's writing to the Ephesians, and the Holy Spirit says, Paul, don't forget to mention the shoes. Look at verse number 15. It says, "...and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace." That word shod means to bind under one's feet. It means to wind around. It means to knit. It means to be in bonds. He's saying proper footwear must be wrapped up around the Christian's foundation. It will give him stability and help him maintain footing when he's pressed upon." You study out the Roman soldier's shoes. The Roman soldier wore shoes unlike other soldiers would wear. The Roman soldier's shoe was a leather sole, but then he would take nails and drive them through the sole, almost like a football cleat with metal spikes on the bottom. Then leather would come up and he'd wrap that leather around his ankle up to his calf. That shoe enabled that soldier to cover terrain other soldiers couldn't cover. He could stand in slippery condition. When he was pressed upon. He would have leverage to press back. It gave him a sure footing and a firmer foundation. The road might be rocky, but he could walk it in those shoes. The march might be long, but he could make the march in those shoes. He might be forced upon, impressed upon by mighty opposition, but he could withstand it in those shoes. I think about a tree. The root system of a tree is so important because if its roots aren't right, it won't stand. Weak roots causes the tree to fall. Same thing about the soldier and his feet. That tree can withstand wind. It might bend, but it won't break if the roots are right. Can I say the Christian can stand if his feet are right? We have different shoes for different occasions. Isn't that right? That's kind of sad. We're so blessed we can have a million different pairs of shoes. I've got church shoes. Everybody all right? Just like I got church shoes. Clothes, (laughs) Amen. Anyway, I got church shoes. I got preaching shoes. I got soul winning shoes that aren't nice enough to be preaching shoes. Right? I got, uh, uh, let's see, I was going to say running shoes, but I don't have, I don't run in those. So anyway, I've got the athletic shoes. I've got, I've got golf shoes, but don't, don't get on me. Don't get on me. I've got... In fact, we got to close down. I'm going early in the morning. Anyway, uh, wait, I've, I've got I've got I've got hunting boots. I've got cowboy boots because a roundup Sunday. The only reason I bought those. Uh, let's see. I've got fishing shoes. I've got I've got a million other pair of shoes out there in my garage. But tonight, I want you to think with me about this. You got to put on your standing shoes. So, what of our What are our shoes made out of? It says right here in the verse. And let's look at it. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Of peace. So, our foundation, our base tonight, our stability, and I'll make the application is this the gospel of peace. What I think it says is this Christ's love for us ought to ignite our love for Him and cause peace to flood our soul by which we can stand against spiritual wickedness you hear what I just said? Christ's love for us ought to ignite our love for him. That ought to cause peace to flood our soul by which we can stand against spiritual wickedness. Notice what it says, that it is a preparing agent. The gospel prepares us for spiritual warfare. What it means is you are not ready to stand until you are resolved to stand by the gospel. I don't stand in my own courage. I don't stand in my own strength. I don't stand in some kind of a flimsy emotion, but I stand anchored in the gospel of Christ, which brings peace to my soul. Now, I said I've heard it preached by like this. Take the gospel somewhere. Have your shoes on. Be ready to carry the gospel. And that's fine. But in the direct context, I'm commanded to stand. I'm not commanded to go. And it's okay to preach it as soul winning shoes. But I think first and foremost, he's saying you got to put on shoes by which you can stand, not just going out, not just moving, but not being moved. We won't stand if our shoes aren't right. It's more than being gospel-centered. It's being centered on the gospel. What gives me stability to stand is this, a peace that passes all understanding. What gives me a peace that passes all understanding? The gospel. 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen says, Watch ye stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong." Peace is the most powerful weapon we have. Because the devil can't do much to a Christian who operates in that realm of peace. Isaiah 26, 3 tells me that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. There is only one thing in this world tonight that can bring peace to a soul, and that is the gospel. It does not matter the country. It does not matter the color. It does not matter their age. It does not matter their IQ. It is the gospel. It is not money that can bring peace tonight. It is not substance that can bring peace or a car or a job or a house. It is the gospel. I think about the gospel. What is it? The gospel is God's heart put in print for you and I to read. The gospel is God's light entered into darkness. The gospel is heaven's dearest declaration translated into the dialect of man. I was reading today and back in 1973 a man in the Dominican Republic wanted to be crucified for 48 hours to try to bring attention to world peace the man said I'll hang on a cross with nails through my hands and feet for 48 hours to bring attention to world peace he hung on that cross for 20 hours after 20 hours infection set in and he had to come down off of the cross and the newspaper read the next morning crucifixion for peace falls short can I say that one might have but I'm glad there was another one that just got the job done. My Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15:3 and 4 for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And tonight every Christian soldier was once a hellbound sinner, hopelessness hung on. On every side. Darkness hovered around every day. Hell was our destination. Hardship our pathway. But then the glorious light of the gospel shined down on you and I. And peace moved in. The gospel set us free. It changed our course. Lifted our burden. The sentence of guilt was gone. Eternal forgiveness came. We traded curse, cross and condemnation for consolation and a crown because of the gospel. And when the gospel entered into our life Peace came with it. Peace came that day and it came to stay. I like what the Bible said in Romans 5, 1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that day the gospel came? Man, you remember that day you got saved? Remember that day God changed your life? I I don't stand because of my courage. I don't stand because of my bravery. I don't stand because of my resolve. I can stand because I've been made new by the gospel. And I just believe it bad enough and believe it big enough and believe it sure enough to say, hey, listen, it's good enough to fight for. It's good enough to stand on. It's good enough to contend for. I'm saved tonight and I have peace on the inside when all hell wants to fight on the outside. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's nothing like the gospel. It's the diamond of eternity. It's the crown jewel of revelation and treasure for the soul. It's the sweetest song ever sung. It's the most pleasant report ever given and the grandest theme ever preached. It tells me God was born of a woman so that we could be born of Him. God became the Son of Man to make me the Son of God. He came down to me to take me up to be with Him. Harry Ironside said the gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news. It's the grandest theme Here the ages rung, our God is able to deliver thee. The gospel is good news for a bad world. Prophetic preaching fulfilled. Promise embodied in glad tidings of great joy. Think about the gospel by which we stand. It's the message of mercy. It's the message of grace. It's the message of love. It's the message of forgiveness. It's the message of pardon. It's the message of hope. It's the message of liberty. It tells me heaven came down So glory could fill my soul Light intruded on my darkness And life swallowed up my death The gospel reconciled me Thank God it brought sinfulness Together with holiness And mortality together with immortality And dust together with deity The gospel is my way The gospel is my truth And the gospel is my life It's my door, it's my bridge Thank God for the gospel You can keep your platform I'm not going to stand for that I'm not going to stand for some agenda Of man, but I'll stand for the gospel because I can stand in the gospel. I'd be in hell right now. I don't deserve to be here tonight. I don't deserve to breathe God's air. I'm a sinner. I know that. But thank God I'm saved by the gospel. So come what may, fight if you will, press on. I say, well, just stand. I'll mark my X in the ground and say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. By the gospel, my sin was atoned. By the gospel, my condemnation nation was removed. By the gospel my hell was canceled. By the gospel my curse was blotted out. By the gospel my guilt was lifted. By the gospel my iniquity was erased. By the gospel my past was undone. By the gospel my future is unimaginable. The gospel taught me that I had an insurmountable debt paid by an incomparable death, validated by an uninhabited tomb, and I got new life. I get no grave. I got nullified judgment and a new name written down in glory, and it's smile oh yes it's mine the messenger may be frail but the message has never failed thank God for the gospel it's true it's timeless it's potent and it's powerful it saves it sets free it sets apart and sets our heart on things above it's simple yet profound it's narrow and yet thank God it's universal it positioned me as a son compels me as a servant and classifies me as a saint this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. The gospel is free to receive it and forever once you do. Thank God it makes a rebel obedient, a criminal upright, and slaves free. that <laughs> make a Baptist shout on a Wednesday night. That maniac didn't go through counseling to get his mind back. He went through Calvary to get his mind back. That woman with the issue of blood didn't go to a doctor. She went to a great physician. Saul of Tarsus didn't go from killing to preaching, making converts because he got into rehab. He got redeemed on the road to Damascus, and that's what the gospel does. It makes us at peace with God. Whenever you got saved, thank God you were reconciled and justified, and now you've got peace, no more condemnation, peace with God. But not only do we have peace with God, thank God, now I can operate in the realm of peace of God, because the gospel grants me the assurance that I'm already on the winning side. It doesn't matter if I get knocked down. A just man, right up again. It doesn't matter if they fight against me. I have strength so he is in me that's greater than he that's in this world. It doesn't matter if they score and that's okay. I've already been put on the winning side come what may. That's why Peter could stand in the face of opposition and Paul could stand in the face of opposition and Daniel could stand in the face of opposition. It was not their courage and it wasn't just conviction. It was peace and assurance and an intimate love for the gospel that changed their life. Prepare your heart to stand by reminding yourself of gospel truth. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. David believed in God's power to save, so it helped him stand. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed in God's power to deliver, so it helped him to stand. Nothing is more opposite than war and peace. But for the Christian in war, I'm glad we can have peace. But that peace comes from Full assurance and intimate affection with the fact that we believe the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I watched Lester Roloff get arrested today on YouTube and he sang hymns all the way to the jail cell. I was like, What in the world is that fellow doing? Now he was honest. He said, I'd rather not have gone to jail. I thought, "I, I agree with that. But he went singing hymns and praising God. How do you do that? How do men like William tend on these others? How do they testify from the place of their torture? How do you do that? When all hell is breaking loose on the outside, how's sweet peace reigning on the inside? It's because they really believe it. And I tell you what gives us spikes to stand when they say, if you don't quit preaching that, you're going to get put in jail for hate crime and talking about it. Well, that's okay, but this is what we believe. When they say, well, you're, you know, if you, you, you say that, you know, you're, you're at a, you, you, you might lose your children, whatever. Yeah, but, you know, I, the spikes are too deep. I, I just believe it. I, this, is, this is where I stand. If you try to stand with anything else other than that, you'll be moved. Because your emotions are going to do this. And people are going to do this. And churches and ministries will do this. But the gospel... Is the gospel. And thank God we can stand in that. I like what Uncle Bud Robinson said. He said, give me some iron shoes. Help me stand. We wouldn't have anything today if somebody hadn't taken their stand. But they didn't take their stand simply because they believed politically or they believed emotionally in the moment. But they had a deep-rooted doctrinal faith in the gospel. And said, if God be true, let every man be a liar. And I'd rather obey God than man. And I'll stay.
0: Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.